0: The Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by Exvoyant, the one on one sales improvement platform that's transforming how high growth sales leaders use Salesforce us around the world. Did you know that only 13% of salespeople worldwide think they get helpful coaching from their sales leaders, but 83% of the leaders of these reps think they are awesome at coaching? Head to xvoyant.com for the world's largest sales leadership resource center. Discover best practices in sales leadership common pitfalls to avoid and learn how to become a legendary sales leader with every rep on your team. Exvoyant will help you move past focusing only on your number and is your partner to start building a dominant sales dynasty. The Exvoyant team will show you how your one-on-ones can drive purpose-driven activities in a way that will create new normals with every single rep on your team. If you don't have a plan on how you can help every rep on your team improve by at least 10%, Exvoyant can help you create a sales dynasty faster than you ever thought possible. Now, get ready for some serious insights from sales leaders that are making it happen, and remember, don't worry, we've got you. Hello, and welcome to the Sales Leadership Podcast, where high-growth sales leaders share high-growth practices and tactics. Today, we're joined by Joel Rackham, the new Global Senior Vice President of Direct Sales Programs for MarketStar. MarketStar is a global sales-as-a-service company that builds sales teams for some of the top tech and advertising brands in the world. MarketStar primarily focuses on scaling teams, which focus managing and selling to SMB and mid-market-sized companies for and on behalf of their clients. Joel's been part of every part of sales in his career. He started selling in a mall kiosk, has helped launch extremely successful companies, and now is helping lead MarketStar's team of a little over 1,100 salespeople, successfully representing some of the world's most iconic brands. Joel's doing killer work worldwide. I got to hang out with Joel in Australia. I can't wait to talk about that for a little bit. I am so excited to have him join you today. Joel, welcome to our show, and thank you so much for joining us.
1: Hey, Rob, it's great to be here. Thanks for for inviting me on the podcast. And yes, uh, Australia was fun. It seems like that's... uh, that 's what we have to do to get together is travel around the world, but uh, it 's always great to see you, regardless of where it 's at
0: i 'm a fan of Joel of what you 've been doing for a long time and, and when it 's true, you and I ended up on the same flight to Australia for like same outbound same return we were there for a week, and um, when we weren 't doing uh, company or client things we we got to hang out on a couple of occasions and Joel, I was super impressed with your approach to leadership and coaching and, and the things you do to build a high growth team. And while we were already friends, I hadn't been introduced to that method to the madness you have of building ridiculously successful teams. Uh, clearly, I'm impressed. I couldn't get you on the show fast enough. I can't wait to dive in with you today, man.
1: Hey, thanks. It's, it's uh, like I said, it's great to be here and uh, look forward to imparting some knowledge, hopefully, on the, the listeners that will give them a, a little bit different perspective on on how we approach
0: business here. I, I think that's a given. So let's start by introducing MarketStar. MarketStar is a killer company. Some will be aware of you already. Some won't. I, I'd love for you to set the table by who's MarketStar, where do you fit, what do you do for them?
1: Yeah, MarketStar is kind of an interesting company. So we've been around for over 30 years. And uh, what started as kind of a temp agency to help launch software uh, think of you know lotus and some of the uh, original uh word perfect programs we were out educating customers on that and and it's morphed over the years and uh now we represent some of the world's most iconic brands right so many of them send you uh notes and keep you in touch with uh with your friends and family and business partners all over the world right so uh we're working with them to essentially deliver sales results for them. And, uh, and I always like to tell people it's companies will come to us essentially to launch and scale sales teams for, for and on their behalf. So essentially they, they will take uh, our teams and, and hire us and we will hire the team that delivers the, uh, the sales results for them. So it's uh it's certainly fun. We, we get new adventures all the time, new products, uh, <laughs> but the foundations of sales ring true no matter what the product is. So we've continued to have success.
0: Well, I like it because if I'm, unless I'm incorrect, you guys actually have trademarked that sales as a service concept and it's something kind of a place in the, in the market that you own. And, uh, that's why it's going to be so fun to get into when people come to you, they are looking to help you get to market quicker, maybe more efficiently, a lot of different ways of looking at it. And you've been able to help build up teams Man, all around the world in a lot of different ways and, and that's gotta have been a fun, a fun challenge.
1: Yeah, it certainly has. And, you know, for us, it's a little bit different. We view it differently than just an outsourced, uh, type of company because we, we try to become a true partner and own that sales, uh, sales company, if you will, that, uh, that it is an extension of your brand. And so it's, uh, it's always fun to help uh, companies get into new markets around the world, even uh, help them get their new products out to market. It presents a lot of unique challenges uh certainly but uh, but it's it's it 's always good to light up sales teams for and on behalf of some of the coolest companies in the world
0: yeah for sure and so i i 'm going to dive into in a second, but the last thing we need to do before we dive in, brother is. Our cus our our not customers our listeners love hearing the story of the different guests that we get on. How'd you get started in sales? You, you have a kind of a different approach. Uh, you're kind of the anti sales sales leader. I, I we we shared that together a little bit. And, and how did that lead you to market star? If you could just take a couple of minutes and 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 help us with that, that'd be fantastic.
1: Yeah, it's pretty fun. So professionally, I was actually trained in finance and uh, with a. Focus to either be an attorney or work on Wall Street. I had no, uh, no intentions of leading sales teams. And, uh, truth be told, out of desperation, uh, in 9-11 hit and I needed to support my family. So I went and worked in a mall cart kiosk just to make enough to get me through graduation. And then, uh, we would figure it out from there. My, my wife and I, of course, and, uh, I had a little guy to take care of. And, uh, it turns out the mall cart kiosk taught me uh, some very sound principles, uh, that I still actually use today. So really, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was quite an interesting experience that I still talk about.
0: That's awesome. So then just from there, you just got uh, more and more into sales and, and ha- how did that journey go from the mall cart?
1: Yeah. So it was interesting. Uh, early on, I, I, uh, I, you would call me a little OCD, right? So, uh, I figured out that, um, when you have tight operations and then you build frameworks for people to follow, uh, that not, not just you will have success, but your, your entire team will have success. Uh, if you've set clear expectations, have a good framework and you're operationally sound. And so what ended up happening actually is, uh, at about the eight month mark of working in, uh, from mall cart to regional sales manager, uh, I had, turned around two or three regions and they made me a vice president at uh the ripe age of I think 24. Uh so I uh I I went from there and um was involved in some startups and some cool uh experiences there and then went back to get an MBA, which I'd kind of set my sights on uh achieving that. I was the first graduate in my uh in my family and the first one with a graduate degree as well.
0: Congratulations. That's
1: sweet. Uh, Thanks. So it was, uh, it was always a goal of mine. And, uh, through there, I met, uh, an individual named Aaron Hall, who just happened to work at MarketStar. And, uh, he actually recruited me in as a, as a director of strategy. And from there, it's kind of, kind of history. I, uh, have worked in just about every facet of, of MarketStar's business now from strategy to business development, uh, to leading global teams and, uh, so that, that's kind of the history.
0: Well, congrats on your new, on your new, uh, promotion. That's a, a big job and a big deal. And, and I know you well enough to know it's well-deserved and well-earned. And, and I really want to use that as a launch pad for the rest of the conversation. Um, this awesome opportunity you have to, to run what's going on worldwide for the direct selling motion. I think that these lessons from the, from the mall cart kiosk, man, it's like this tales from the crypt story. (laughs) I I can't wait to hear how that's built a blueprint for what you found makes it so you can scale teams faster, build teams faster, and maybe more important than either of those. How do you accelerate careers in ways that maybe your people that are fortunate enough to work in your organization might not have been able to have happen? Is, Is that a fair like starting point?
1: Yeah, that's great. Um, and so, for me, honestly, Rob, um, I, I have probably a little bit of a non-traditional approach, right? Uh, we have this theme around our office and in the teams that I work with that um, we need to, we, you know, we always say it: be more you, and and that takes on a true, a true meaning uh, because we can provide all the frameworks to make you successful, and it's when you add you and your unique gifts to that, that you really accelerate that and push that flywheel forward, right? Referencing back to good to great uh, concept out of there. But really, um, what I look at is I I make it simple. You have to have the right objective when you make a call, when you make an interaction happen with with a future prospect you have to have the right goal in mind. And so if you walk up to that person or call that person or talk to that person and, and your goal is simply to sell them something, they'll see right through it, right? We all, all it's, it's very uh, proven in, in psychology that, that we all have a sixth sense that, that detects that. And so uh, for me, I try to get my teams really setting the right objectives. So my objective from the top is, I wanna provide every employee the a, a place where they can really be fulfilled, right? Where they can grow and feel valued, and if I do that, then then they will certainly flourish.
0: So I love this. So this this whole thing just smells to me as I listen to you, Joel, and, and I like the way the the angle that you're taking. It sounds like you're talking about more authenticity. Yeah. Am I hearing you the right way? For sure. So if I'm thinking about Building a high growth team. So again, for our listeners that listen to the show, we're, we, we're about getting into high growth mode and staying there. So it's the sales leadership podcast. We talk mostly to what do sales leaders need to do. And so we have a lot of sales leaders that listen and a lot of sales people that aspire to be sales leaders. If you were going to look at why people come to market star and why uh, they come to you, they're looking for ways to get teams stood up. They're looking to be to market faster, uh, more effective sooner. That's that's part of your value prop, certainly not all but part of it for sure. You're talking about becoming more authentic. What are the top 3 things or maybe it's not 3. What are some of the things that you have learned if we're going to stand up teams, if we're going to become high growth co- organization? What are some of the things you got to get right? So for you it starts with authenticity. So if authenticity is part of it, maybe we'll come back to that. Or maybe you can just go a little deeper. How do you get authentic? And then what are some of the other things you got to get right?
1: Yeah. So as you know, you know me well, it wouldn't be three. It would be four. Um,
0: <laughs> I should have just said that. Yeah. I mean, you
1: got your core you know. four
0: and everything, bro. And I love that about you.
1: You know, it it's, uh you have to keep it simple, right? And, and don't overcomplicate things. And so what, what I always find interesting is uh, I'll ask a, a room full of very capable salespeople, very capable executives, what is culture? And if you asked that question and, and took a survey, even those listening to this podcast, you'd get such varied responses. For sure. And so something as simple as culture uh, is so complex. And so for me, one of the, one of the, Magic components, I guess that it, that I've added is even something like culture I've simplified down, and so uh so it does it starts with culture when you want to be authentic, you have to create the culture that that develops that and so I define culture as there's process and procedure on one side of the equation, and then there's environment, which has really two components to it, uh, which is the physical environment, the things you can touch, feel, smell, see. Uh, and then there's the psychological component, the things that give you hope, the things that make you feel valued, the things that make you feel like you're, you're growing and progressing. And, uh, and so to get those right, you really have to tackle them. And so a lot of times what, what you'll see is, uh, people will bring in, you know, all of these fancy things that desks and, and trees and plants and everything else, and they create this amazing environment. But they haven't gotten the psychological and the process and practice built out, and so they'll hmm. pr- quickly find that their attrition is high. People will come in, they're excited to join, and then they never really take off off the ground. And so you can you can actually watch it happen on glass door. You can walk into a, a building that's just beautiful, and you can go to their glass door and and you can see comments. And a lot of times you'll see comments like, "Hey, you know." Fancy place, but now they don't take care of their people love the environment, but geez, like, I didn't even grow. I'm, I'm worse because I went, like, you'll just see these negative comments. And that really is an indication that they focused on the physical component of culture, but didn't have the process and practice or, and therefore the psychological piece is not strong. So for me, it starts with developing the process and practice that will help people feel like they're growing and developing in a way that gives them hope for the future and then you can mess with the physical portion. So I, I really am deliberate about when I add that physical component in and if it's already there, then I'm hyper-focused on creating the process and practice. So we can talk about the process and practice, but you know, some of the basics that, that I put into place, but.
0: um, I love that Joel. What I love about it is so most, there's like a few things that we see come up over and over again on our show. Culture is one of them. Uh, great leaders are pretty mindful of culture and, and it's not unusual for people to bring it up. What is unusual is I like how you've defined it. I think your breakdown into those two components are really, really meaningful. And, and I also like the order of operations, uh, if I can call it that, of what you think you got to get right first. And have you seen organizations like to what you said, what you saw in Glassdoor, when you get it backwards, can that backfire on you when you get it backwards? Yeah. In fact,
1: um, you know, I, I won't name any names, but I left an organization for that exact purpose, and and you can actually read their glass door and and see it very poignantly. And even even in our own organization, at times you can you can see some of that come back where we've just done it backwards. And for me, I'm very much um, an operations geek, right? I I love uh, Kaizen and Six Sigma type yeah. concepts, and so. What this allows you to do is really break it down into the most impactful. Uh, and, and so when you, when you really kind of graph it out and look at it, what's going to create the most impact? You can only focus on three to four things. And if you focus on the wrong three to four things, the impact will be the inverse of what you're hoping for. And in this case, that's exactly what you get. If you invest too much in the physical environment and haven't invested enough in the process and practice, you actually will diminish the psychological culture.
0: Well, I love the word you used earlier, Joel, and I'm sorry that I'm sitting on this. We're not getting to the others, but I think this is a big enough deal because culture in my mind is like one of those things you're right. You got to get it right. But too often, Joel, I feel like it's that senator's definition of pornography. What he said, I can't tell you what it is, but I know it when I see it. You've probably heard that quote, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I think same with culture. People say it's hard for me to define it, but I know it when I see it. And you used a word that's like super descriptive to me and super emotional. I want to, I want to talk about that a little bit more. You said culture is about creating hope. Can you like go into that just a little bit more? Cause I, I thought that really caught my attention.
1: Yeah. So kind of going back, if you remember, what is my objective? It's very simple, right? Create an environment where people can flourish, grow and be fulfilled. Period. Mm. And if they don't have hope that they can achieve, that they can grow, that they can move forward, you're never going to move forward. It doesn't matter how much you, you put towards them. And, and it really ties into a few of the frameworks that I talked about, um, on our trip, which is, you know, we, we start with the, the force, right? Four step sales process. Every salesperson, every manager gets that. But, but the next step is where the manager becomes super critical. Uh, and that's the the four keys to effective coaching. Within that, we teach our managers really how to go through a, and prepare for a coaching session because their job is to give that rep hope that they can succeed. And so we break down metrics in a way that allows us to be able to move those needles one at a time, right? Very similar to the Exvoyant product where you can identify specifically uh, where somebody can make the most impact, and this isn't a com- commercial for the Exvoyant product, but what I am saying is, is the soundness of the concept there is, is certainly that. And and when you're getting the right metrics and you're re- moving the right needles, you give people hope. And if that's your objective, uh, is to op- ultimately give people hope, then that becomes a critical part of the culture. And so our our coaching methodology is. Is certainly one of those keys, uh, to, to the success, right? So it's very simple, right? You go in and you diagnose, you use the numbers to tell you, tell, tell a story. Again, that's my finance background coming out in me, but you really assess kind of what's going on in the diagnose stage and then you validate it by listening to a call, by looking at a chat, by going on a side by side or site visit with somebody that's when you're validating if that's when you're looking for what's going on that's probably the wrong time that's when you should be validating once you know that then you go into and assess where that person is in their stage of development and that this is key right and there's four stages i didn't invent these it just happened to match really well into what <laughs> i do and uh so ken blanchard actually uh oh, is yeah. the one that i stole this concept from but Uh, Four stages of development is, you know, the honeymoon stage, the dissatisfaction stage, the resolution, and the production stage. In those early stages, they're super excited to be there, but they're not competent. You can see that in the numbers, but you also coach them in a very specific way. So in stage two, they need small wins. They're still not good at it, and their morale has gotten low. And so, you know, depending on the stage they're in, you need to adapt how you approach them about what's going on. In the early stages, it's very directive. In the late stages, it's very collaborative. But the numbers will tell you where to focus. The stage will tell you how to focus. Uh, That's and then, a lot. So
0: I want to sit on that. The numbers tell you where to focus. The stage tells you how to focus. Yes. That's pretty insightful because what that does, and you're right, this is one of the things I loved about as you and I got to know each other better. Um, I believe coaching is about adding purpose to activities, not just more activities. Bingo. And that seems like a really, really simple way of knowing where to add purpose, and I'm with you. I think simple is always better just because it's simple doesn't mean it's it's not highly infa- imp- impactful in my mind
1: exactly, yeah, and what I've found is the the more simple you can make it, the better. So we always tell our managers in a coaching session, you focus on the one thing that will make the biggest difference because whenever I coach somebody i could I could tell you especially. A new salesperson, I could tell you every portion of the call where they did poorly. If they haven't managed to master the first stage of the sales process, then why would we try to master them on the rest? Again, going back to that Six Sigma concept, you have to get to the most impactful. And so for us, that's where it's nice for, for a manager because they can, they can assess that. So for example, in the fourth stage sales process, you've got Engage. Then you've got needs analysis where they need to be patient, not talk about uh, products, just ask questions. And then they provide a recommend, demonstrate of how that product ties back to the answers the customer gave. If they didn't talk about it in the needs analysis, they can't talk about it in the recommend. And then there's the close. And so for our managers, they're able to look, look at that. And if, if meaningful calls are down, we do a lot of uh, over the phone sales. It's not uh, kind of your typical uh, phone sales environment. These are higher professionals. And so when you look at kind of where they're at and where they're calling, if they are low on meaningful calls, total calls to meaningful calls, we know they're probably struggling with some engagement. So we mm-hmm. focus on step one of the four-step sales process, right? And if they're good on meaningful calls, but they're meaningful call, and revenue per meaningful call is low, then we know that they're probably not doing an effective needs analysis or they're not tying the recommendation back to the product. So we can tie that sales process back to specific numbers. And so what we tell them is you got to get their meaningful call percentage in a healthy range comparative to their peers. Always keep score. So make sure you know where their peers are at and where they can get to. If they're there, then you focus on the next step, but not until then.
0: Let me ask a quick uh, uh, clarification, not clarification, but better understanding question. There's a term you used three or four times just now is meaningful call. I know you have a unique business that would be different than many others. Can you just give our our listeners, you know, how, how do you call something a meaningful call? I, I think there's probably a lot of interest in your answer to that. Yeah, for sure. So we, there, there's two measures a lot of times when, you know, if you're running
1: an SDR motion or a full cycle ISR motion where you're uh, inside sales reps calling out and selling the full cycle, uh, doing their own leads and, and closing their own deals, uh, you really want to measure it incrementally. And so you have your total calls. A meaningful call means that they've talked to a decision maker. Oh, okay. And an impact call, which is the next step is, They've spent over five minutes with that decision maker, right? So it's very, they're, they're basically one step closer towards, uh, having a good qualified sales conversation. And so, uh, so we measure those incrementally so that we know what activities lead to what objectives, which lead to results. And that really comes, um, from the cracking the sales management code book, right?
0: Jason Jordan, uh, like, my guy. I love him. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, so let me ask you that. It's just one last thing. I'm just really intrigued by that. Do you actually classify those different meaningful and impact calls? Do you actually track those like in Salesforce or your CRM? Do you you actually track those like that? Okay, cool. Anything you
1: want to measure, you have to track. Anything you measure, you'll get improvement on. Anything you don't measure is just a wild hair idea that's never going anywhere.
0: So can you just now you go into like I said, this is our one of our one of my examples of you brought up something that I find really interesting. We're talking about stuff I had no idea we'd talk about, so forgive me. <laughs> um, no worries. But uh how do you you got a lot of reps. I mean, you don't have like this little small team and and um one of the things that a lot of sales orgs struggle with is is their CRM, their Salesforce adoption and utilization. Any best practices or tips on how you're able to get your your reps to say this, you know, I'm, I get why I got to classify both of those types in ways other than because I told you so, because most of the time it's just cause I told you so. And I don't think that's yeah. good enough.
1: Yeah. The the reality is if you reflect back to the culture, the process and the practice, Yep. once it becomes part of the process and practice portion of the culture, uh, it will, it will, the flywheel will spin to get it there. You have to measure it. And if I'm measured off my meaningful calls and if they're inspected to ensure that they're meaningful calls, then I will drive those, right? And if the only way to measure those is in Salesforce and that's the only time they count, then that's what's that's going on. That's where out. they'll show up. Yeah. It's, it's a pretty magical thing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's, I'm telling you, the sales leadership job is in my mind the, the one that has the greatest impact, but it's also it's still like way behind the curve on people like you that have developed it. And so when I hear guys like you that talk about it as, you know, simply as that, I love it because I really think it can be that simple if you are authentic.
1: I would agree. Yeah. And, and the, the unfortunate part is I, you know, I hear so many talented professionals uh, that are leading sales organizations and even consulting and, you know, they have a 14 step sales process or something I don't know how you ever teach that to <laughs> let alone have
0: adherence to it. Right. I mean, yeah.
1: I, so the other part of that, you know, that I would say is, is you do, you have to keep it simple, uh, over complicating an interaction. It just, uh, you, you're never going to get adoption of it and you're never going to move people toward that.
0: Yeah. We could have a whole conversation since you're such a process guide. I'd be really interested in having you back on six months from now and, let's talk about building great process because when I see people that have tons of stages like that and they can tell you why it matters, but then they never can understand why people skip stages when I have 10 stages or nine stages or whatever. And then, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. they, 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 that that's a whole other conversation. I, I took you <clears> off after what you were doing before. I want to let you finish that because I, man, I'm looking, we're going to run out of time faster than I thought. And I knew we would, you and me spent hours in Australia talking about this stuff and we have 40 minutes on this. So I'd love to take you back and, and, uh, you were talking about culture and I took you into hope and then that took us into all the elements that create that. Anything yeah. else on culture before you finish, uh, that kind of core four to creating authentic leadership?
1: No, I think if you break down culture in the way that, that I've kind of outlined, um, one of the things you'll notice if you really go through my career is my career has, I, I say it's been made off of uh, lots of, doing lots of hard things and, uh, there's a great book, Forged in Crisis by Nancy Keane. She's a HBR, uh, professor, a tenured professor there and she's one of my heroes, right? Cool. Uh, but she, she talks about how everybody has experiences. She outlines five leaders that literally changed the world. Uh, and, and so what I would tell everybody listening is, be- Authentic to yourself as well, right? I, I grew up uh, very poor with parents that had substance abuse problems and one that died of an overdose. So people always ask me, like, gosh, you've been through this tragedy. You've done all of this. And what I tell them is what I learned from that is more powerful than that experience. and And it's this, right? Culture is interesting because you can either impact it or be impacted by it and that's what I took out of my life like that that's what I um, have applied to culture so it's my choice I can either impact it or I can be impacted by it but I have to make a choice I could have been a drug addict I could have been an alcoholic but I chose to impact my life not be impacted by my life
0: that's so good that's so good I wrote that down that's that's meaningful that's like super insightful, and that applies to every part that's personal that's career that's relationships that are personal or business that I think that applies to everything doesn't it it
1: really does I mean you think about it i i uh, I'm pretty fortunate and um, that i I've finally gotten out and started sharing my story to at risk youth and and other people that I think would benefit from my personal story but I think the most rewarding thing for me is when you can mimic your success in others uh that's pretty powerful and for me that passion uh goes well beyond work right that's to my kids my parents uh you know they they taught me a lot of really good lessons uh that that were powerful but i swore i would i would find ways to have my kids never never to have to experience that right so you know, my wife and I have been married 20 years. My mom had been married.
0: Congratulations. Years,
1: Thank you. Uh, many times. And so what, what you think and why I bring that in is because this is the, the concepts that I teach are not just for work. They're not just for an SDR program. They literally are life-changing concepts. If you master culture, you will learn how to impact the rest of your life. If you master the four step sales process, you'll be one of the most eloquent speakers in my opinion that, that steps on stage because you'll learn how to engage the audience and really feel what they, what they need you to deliver to them. And then you'll deliver that to them. Uh, and so what I tell people is, you know, it's a sound concept if it applies outside of work equally as it does inside.
0: All right. That is awesome. There's we're starting to run low and I, we're going to finish where I was finished, but before we do, I have to ask you a couple of things because you've just really took me to a spot that I didn't expect to go on this. Thank you for being so insightful. First of all, Joel, thank you.
1: Yes.
0: As I listen to you, I listen to you talk. It seems to me like you're talking about change. you know, this learning how to be impactful rather than be impacted. Um, there's so many ways that goes you know, like There's no victims. And that's like, I'm, I'm not a victim, but I don't have good leads. I'll go find my, there's just so many places we could go with this. What do you think the role is of a sales? Leader? If there's a primary role, if you're going to build a high performing team, you've talked about changing leads. Is that the primary role or would you say that the primary, you talk about duplicating, you know, replicating yourself. If you're talking to a whole bunch of sales leaders, we got thousands of sales leaders listening to you right now. What's the primary role if you want to be a highly effective, highly successful sales leader?
1: Bottom line is you have to set the stage. You have to set the, the end so that they can, so that your team can have the end in mind, right? Another sound concept that's proven over and over. Uh, and so if you set that stage and that precedence and do it right, people will, will follow you. Into battle, right? And so for me, when I have the right objective and when I, when I work and cascade that down, uh, that, that cascades down, you have to really, uh, ensure that you have frameworks that people can be successful in, but they can add their own unique gifts to that. So, uh, sales frameworks, sales process, coaching process, really it's a framework only. There's no script to it. Uh, And then make sure you have expectations. You have to hold people to uh minimum expectations and minimum standards. You can only imagine what the world would be like with no speed limits and no stop signs and everything else. Right. Um, Sure. Yeah. And, and you, you have those in place. I can choose to run a stop sign over and over and over again, but I don't get to choose the consequence or when that consequence will happen. I can, in the same way, Within our frameworks, you can choose to make your calls. You can choose to follow the framework and you can probably have the right leads and the right success for a certain amount of time, but you don't know when that bottom will drop out. In addition, you won't be able to, to grow in the same way that everybody around you does. So you get to choose, but the framework and the expectations are in place to create a guideline for you to follow. And then you have to break it down to a measurable component that ties back to uh the frameworks that you've set in place otherwise you don't know where your team is doing well and where they're not right yeah. you don't know where the process and practice is strong and where it's not physical physical environment that's easy to see psychological that's easy to feel but what's creating that is most important and then you have to give yourself the time and space to do some reflection. And you can't do that if you don't have the right people and you haven't enabled them to have success. You'll never become strategic. You cannot fill that bucket. If you think about those as buckets that you have to fill, you never feel the right people enabled the right way um, if you don't have the right people. right? So you have to do that so that you can have that time and space to be strategic.
0: Joel, this is so good, man. I got so many things I want to go into right now. I mean, we haven't really got into your approach to metrics and numbers because I know you use those differently. I, I would love to get into that, but we just don't have time to do it justice. There's one last thing that's screaming at me before I get into the rapid fire to wrap it up the way we do everyone, and, and I can't wait to get your answer on this. And I, I, I'm i super interested in this one as I listen to your because there's one thing that screams at me, Joel, as I listen to you, like I've had the benefit of sharing some great quality time with you. There's one word that I would use to describe you. It, it is authentic. So for, you know, kudos to you because you're living your brand, right? Um, so here's what I want to know. How do you make those coaching moments? How do you make those times when you're sitting with your reps? How do you make them hopeful like you talked about? How, I guess what I'm really asking is, how do you get a rep when they look in the mirror how do you get them to see a lion instead of a kitty cat? Is there any best practice you might share with that?
1: Yeah, this is probably my favorite and most gratifying point of my career, right? Is figuring out how to do this. And, and fortunately for me, I was naturally attracted to psychology after my first year in college. Uh, and so I learned a lot of concepts about reframing and, and uh, getting people to change their mindset. Um, And so I've, I've simplified this and this is the deal. If you're deliberate, it makes you more sincere. Uh If I'm deliberate, I look at and I find what's going to create the most impact for you. And if I've done that, then you'll begin to trust me. Then I can, once you, once you start to trust me as a coach, you're going to implement the things we talk about. Once we get you implementing those, this is the key. You have to get people to stop discounting themselves. We talk about women in leadership. We talk about, uh, individuals literally changing their, their destiny, right? I had to master this myself. I was the kid that stood on stage with the lead in the play, looked out in the audience and there were no parents there. Everybody else had parents there. I did. Yeah. So. I could have said, yeah, I, I don't matter. I'm not important. But I learned valuable lessons to not discount myself. There's a worth for every individual you're talking to, and you have to help them realize that. And so what I do uh, is I really talk to them. When they start using I'm just, I'm only, I, I'm not, I tell them, stop. That's like dropping the F-bomb on me and telling me my family sucks. <laughs> when you're with me, you cannot use those words, period. And I am highly offended by it because you just discounted yourself. You don't realize how valuable you are. So when you truly see them like that and when you truly try to and change their mind like that, You'll get notes. This is how I know I'm being successful driving this is when I have notes slid under my door almost every day saying you made a difference in my life. I've now taught my son this same concept of discounting. You've just transcended work. You've changed them to the core because they start to view themselves. When they send you a screenshot of their Facebook post where they are out there amongst all their peers saying, I'm great, I'm awesome, and I can't wait to leave. And impact lives, you, you know, you've reframed their thinking because when I, when I came into this, my, my prior role, we had 20 something percent, uh, women in leadership. Today we have 61% wow. at manager level. And that is not because I went out and solely focused on finding women in leadership, nor is it that I, you know, just selected them to try and hit a number. I, Literally helped my team understand the value of getting people to stop discounting themselves. And all of a sudden we had these amazing leaders coming up through and most of them were women. It's, it's spectacular when you start to see that work, but it is truly, and I'm very, very passionate about this. You have to help people see themselves as you do. But if you don't see them that way, then, then you've missed it. And what I tell people all the time, Rob, and you've probably noticed this about me, there are no coincidences when we interact. You have said that to me more than once,
0: man. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, there are none. And you know that now uh, and that I'm serious about that. But every single interaction I have, whether it's on the street, whether it's a waitress, whether it's somebody in my office, I have a gift to give them. I don't know what that gift is, but if I truly look at it and I have to give this person a gift, and it's their responsibility to receive that, I start to view people in a different light. I reframe my own thinking. And so I truly, in every interaction, I take it very serious, whether it's a rep coming to talk to me for a quick five minutes, I owe them something. And so in every interaction, I always ask them, what's your objective for this meeting? And that's something a lot of sales coaches miss is they don't ask that person for the objective and then align those objectives so that you can, Give them the gift they need to receive.
0: I can't finish better than that, Joel. You just freaking made my day, dude. This was a this was a killer conversation. You even worked in a question that I didn't think we'd have time to get to. How do you know when you're having impact? I love your idea of receiving notes. That's that's a really really cool thing uh, to be looking for. I love this. I, I want to finish the way I always do, but this is a terrific blueprint that you've just shared, a super authentic blueprint. You ready for uh, for three quick ones to finish rapid fire like we finish with everyone?
1: Absolutely. I'll try yep. not to talk
0: too much. I want you to. We're fine, man. Everything you're dropping is straight fire, straight gold, so keep it up. Number one, okay, um, what's the biggest sales leadership challenge, and how do you face down?
1: I I hate to use this because it seems cliche, but it's, it's the people, the right people, not just people in general. Um, And it's getting people to see themselves and the value that they bring the unique value. Uh, And so once you, once you do, uh, they will deliver magnificent results, but it's finding those right people.
0: So is there any, any pointers you'd say, because we, we, you know, there's, that's not a huge secret. There's a lot of people talk about hire right. You know, I, yeah. I think a common friend of both of us, Ralph Barsky, he still has one of my favorite ways. He said, we we got to send the bat signal up into the air so we attract the right people. And, yeah, and sure. the way you're going to, the way you face that challenge, is there like a like a quick best practice you might share to how you help do that?
1: Yeah. So what I look for, um, and, and this would probably be a podcast itself, but um, I break my team down into a quadrant. And I look for our strengths. And so there's operational, there's influential. I draw a quadrant and I list them. Are they operational, or are they influential? Influential being EQ and an understanding of just the people, right? Not uh, not out there just spitting gift cards out. Uh, operational is sound frameworks, right? Four-step sales process, type thinking, uh, four keys to effective coaching if they've mastered that type of stuff, but they haven't ma- mastered the EQ portion, uh, we need to get them there. But once you map your team into a quadrant, you can look and see pretty easily where your gaps are. When you've identified the gaps, you hire to those gaps, in my opinion, uh, rather than like looking for a team full of
0: operationally minded folks. That doesn't work. Love it. Good. A great answer. And a great best practice. Number two, I can't wait to get your one on this one. This is a, uh, by common uh, common request, our, our our listeners have asked, "Hey, what's your favorite interview question when you're when you're interviewing reps to build this great team that you're talking about? What's your favorite kind of go-to play to know if you're getting the right person or not?"
1: You know, I I, I found you have to you have to engage the individual that's in your office, right? So you have to ask them things that will get them out of their comfort zone, talking about scripted things. And so typically, one of my first questions and the question I like to ask uh, is, how's your battle, first and foremost, is a fun one. But the best one that I ask, I think that really kind of gets, gets me into a place I want to be with the candidate is, tell me about you, Rob, not your resume. Tell me about
0: you. Love it. Love it. What do you look for in that answer? Is there anything in particular that you look for in the way they answer that, or is it getting totally? I
1: look for richness of experience, openness, candid, right? If If they can't tell me about their personal story and their personal journey, they haven't mapped out how it's impacted them and how it will continue to shape them, and they haven't yet been able to identify their unique gift, and therefore they won't see others' unique gifts. So I'm absolutely 100% looking for them to be authentic.
0: Of course you are, because that's uh, your culture, man—a culture of authenticity. I dig it. It's all coming together. The dots connect on you. If we just we keep talking, I, I, that's one of the things I like about you, Joel—is is it all just makes sense. Last one, number three. Uh, this rapid fire. We found that leaders are readers, and it, it doesn't have to necessarily be pages. It can be audibles. It can be podcasts. It can be blogs. It can be actual books that you're turning pages or or electronic versions. You, you've dropped a couple of great ones in Jason Jordan's book, and, and then the, the other one that you mentioned uh, sounds really interesting as well. Anything that you would say that a, a leader or someone that aspires to be ought to make sure that they get in their bag of tricks? Right now
1: I'm on a forged in crisis kick by Nancy Keem, right? right. She is incredible. But the way that she breaks down uh the leaders and how their unique experiences uh, impacted and shaped the future of our world. So one of my favorite people um is Abraham Lincoln and the way that she she breaks down his childhood and you and you see some of those experiences later shaping uh how he handled the civil war and a the general that was defiant to him uh really went back to a time when he got jumped by a gang for for a lack of a, a better term but to bring it to modern terms that experience when he was jumped by this gang really impacted how he handled uh, this future situation that was one of the key turning points of the Civil War. And so we have to have that time to reflect. So that's why right now I'm on a forged in crisis kick.
0: I'm glad you shared that. You shared that with me before, and that's the one I bought to take on a trip I'm taking with my family. I'll, I told you next time I saw you to ask for a book report, if you remember. I'll, I'll have that report yes. ready. So
1: Perfect. Sounds great.
0: Hey, this has been good. Joel, you're going to have a lot of people that are really intrigued by what you said, and you gave a lot of nuggets uh, that clearly have a lot more depth to it. If people want to reach out to you, if people want to connect to you, if people want to give you an electronic version of those notes you talked about, how do people get more of you? How do people get more of Market Star? How do they continue that conversation?
1: Yeah, they can reach out to me directly, and I can direct them uh, to the appropriate channels uh, or go on to our info page. Uh, marketstar.com they can get information there if they want to reach out to me directly no problem Uh, but if they want more information on Marketstar, I would I would certainly get them in touch with the right folks
0: Joel this has been amazing it all started with lessons from the mall cart kiosk he's now helping build hope for sales reps all around the world in in a new global role congratulations on this recent promotion uh, market star is in great hands uh, with you helping run sales in this in this uh, way. Joel, you've been a terrific guest. You're a great friend. I appreciate the time we've been able to spend together in the past, but especially this uh, opportunity to share some of your insights with our listeners. Thank you so much for joining me, Joel, and happy selling.
1: Thanks so much. Have a great day, and good luck, everybody.
0: Hey, everyone. Welcome to another So What? portion of the Sales Leadership Podcast, where we break down that interview and we ask ourselves, why did that conversation even matter? Joel's an awesome dude. I, you know, I've, I've had a chance to watch him do his thing. Uh, I'm really excited for him with his new promotion. Uh, he's doing amazing work at MarketStar. And yeah, he's a great salesperson. Yeah, he's a great sales leader. Yeah, he's a super smart dude. And, and yeah, he's good at execution. All those things make for a good sales leader. But I think the thing that jumps out at me is I've gotten to know him firsthand. And you heard it on the interview is how freaking authentic he is. The end of that interview was just so good when you heard the genuine concern for the people that are on his team of don't discount them. See them in their future state. See them as that next level self. Don't see them as who they are. See them as who they are going to be. And and make sure that they have a game plan on how they're going to get there. And and you know what? That was a good thing for me to listen to. I I find myself... Uh, writing out a lot of notes and saying I could do better than that, and, and sometimes we focus so much on quotas and and um, and the absolute values that we lose track of maybe what's most important, and that's where can we help them get. I hear tons of people talk about culture. I I I I'm beginning to really think that everything comes down to culture and. and So many, I I remember Kevin Dorsey talking about how he would rather have a great culture with only average salespeople over super skilled salespeople with a crappy culture. And and we talk a lot about it, and there's a lot of people talking about what culture is and isn't. I love Joel's definition. Culture is about creating hope. And you need to ask yourself, are you a sales leader that creates hope for the people around you? Uh, Whatever kind of leader you are, are you creating hope or are you creating stress Are you creating angst? Are you, what are you creating? Because our job is to create hope. They see a light. They see a way through. I'll tell you, I've had some dark times and the people who have got me through them, you know, professionally, personally, there's been times where you're like, how am I going to get through this? And, um, those people who help you get through things, those are the ones that become Legendary. And so he talked a lot about great leaders give people hope, you know, and that culture is how you do it and coaching is the mechanism. And, and he, I love the conversation around metrics and stage and, and, you know, and and how you know where to focus and how to focus based on numbers and stages and go back and listen to those things. It, It was awesome. But my favorite notes that I wrote down on this were, if you master culture, you will learn how to impact the rest of your life. And he talked about um, learn to impact or be impacted. So I'm going to challenge you the way Joel did. Are you impacting your culture or are you being impacted by it? As the leader, choose to impact the culture. Make sure that you are doing things that makes it fun. Make sure you're doing things so people are focused on the future and they see a clear pathway on how they're going to get there. And um, and to finish, his conversation on being deliberate makes you more sincere. that. That deliberate coaching allows you to find what creates the biggest impact. And, and that once people believe that that's what you're doing is to really try them intentionally improve, then you can help them stop doubting themselves. And that's when hope comes in. And so I I just thought that, I mean, man, it was, it was next level interview. Joel, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks to the you, uh, you listeners that are out there that are keeping sending some great, great questions for me. Uh, I just, I'm appreciative. We're, 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 we've had more success with the show than I ever thought possible. We've, we've blown by the hundred thousand download mark, and we're not slowing down. Please, please, please keep uh, giving us those five star reviews on iTunes. Please, please, please keep telling your friends about it. Uh, Please, please, please tell me who else we should have on the show. And, And most of all, don't worry. Just execute. Give the people on your team hope, and we got you. Thanks for joining us for the Sales Leadership Podcast, your weekly pipeline to the most successful thought leaders and rainmakers in sales. Make sure to check out additional episodes at salesleadershippodcast.com. The Sales Leadership Podcast is produced by Brian Jepson and is sponsored by Exvoyant, the modern sales leadership platform for salesforce.com users. You can visit Exvoyant at exvoyant.com.